This is Steve Janikowski. I'm joined by Christian Thwaites, our Chief Strategist, and Rita Lee, our Director of Research. Good afternoon, everyone. Hello, everybody. So, as usual, the call will last 20 minutes, and the replay will be available, as we mentioned. As usual, we'll begin with a very high-level overview of the economy and the markets, and then we'll open it up for questions in the remaining time. So, what has changed since our last call? Well, first, the markets haven't really done much. Some are up a little, some are down a little. Really, all eyes and ears are in Washington monitoring the drama, or maybe I'll call it a melodrama. The lively debate on tax reform is continuing. The House bill and the Senate bill differ quite significantly. Everybody's wondering how will it all shake out when we finally get to a final tax package? Who will be the winners and who will be the losers? Will the final tax package help move us out of this sort of slow growth, low inflation, low interest rate trajectory that we've been in for quite some time now? Will we get on an accelerated growth trajectory? And that's a question that we're largely going to explore today. It's likely that if the tax package is a disappointment, it's mostly been discounted and likely won't have a significant effect on the markets. Many people are worried the markets are going to crash if we have a disappointing package. We don't think so. A package that does encourage economic growth, however, will likely lead to a stronger stock market in the short term. There's a side effect. And ultimately, it does lay the seeds, though, if the economy does start picking up, that interest rates are going to go up and inflation will also begin to go up. And that will have a way of sort of providing a headwind for, uh, for, the, for the economy and for companies' earnings. Uh, that should be offset, however, by uh, better earnings growth and economic growth. So uh, recap where we are so far this year. Portfolios are doing really quite nicely. Uh, we're still in a good investment environment with the slow growth and subdued inflation and interest rates. And we are prepared, however, for some choppiness as the tax discussions continue. So I'm going to turn it over now to Christian and Rita for a deeper dive into our views on this pending tax legislation and how it's likely to affect the markets. Thanks, Steve. Hi, everybody. Um, so this is the tax package which we've been waiting for for a year. Obviously, it was a central platform of, of Trump's um, campaign, and it's been in the, in the news or the back of the news pretty much all year. Uh, as you all know, we've had uh, stalled legislation on things like Obamacare, so there hasn't been a huge amount of successful bills uh, passed through the House or the Senate, so they're all uh, pinning their hopes on this one. Um, I'm not going to go through the different versions which are toggling between the House and the Senate and the White House. Um, don't you have all that? We all I don't. Know. They're still going at it this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Suffice to say, there's, there's kind of different versions of the same thing. I'll try to focus on what they all broadly agree on. And just on the latest breaking news is the White House came out this morning and said that they absolutely wanted the corporate tax cut. That's been the central uh, pillar of the, of the tax reform cut from 35 to 20, which is pretty much what people are thinking was going to happen, but they don't want it delayed until 2019, which came out uh, at the end of last week, and they don't want it stepped down either. So they seem to be sort of hanging their colors to, to that one. And then the other one that's coming up literally today is, would it be tied to the repeal of ACA, better known as Obamacare? We all know what happened last time. They tried to do the repeal or skinny repeal on that, so it be interesting to see whether or not that, uh, that, um, that, that gets linked together. And then the other point is that there is this $1.5 trillion cap 
uh, to avoid it going to a 60 uh, 60 vote um, requirement vote in the oh, Senate. Um, and so they've got to kind of keep below that. And there are lots of ways they can do that because they can make they can slice the tax cuts into some things that are permanent and temporary. In other words, all the things that could happen uh, could just get reversed in 10 years and you, and you conveniently get around that. Um, so just the big numbers first. So we're talking about $1.4 trillion of tax cuts. As you know, all budget cycles are measured in 10-year forward increments. So it's $1.4 trillion over 10 years. As a reminder, we're running a budget deficit today of about $400 billion a year. So over that period, the budget deficit will be roughly about uh, $5 trillion, so a $1.5 trillion cut, you know, reduce it by 15 to 20%. But these are very raw numbers, and it really depends what growth assumptions you put on top of the economy, which then starts to increase the tax revenue. Sorry if you can hear a plane taking off just in the background. I apologize for that. Um, and then the other point about the 1.4 trillion, it's roughly one third, one third between um, individual income taxes, corporation taxes, and the rest is passed through entities. It's actually pretty important because a lot of uh, a lot of U.S. businesses, the vast majority of them, the three-quarters of a million businesses in the country, are pass-through entities. So let's look at what they, they are quickly. Um, let's divide them into corporate and then personal. On the corporate side, there's the 35 to 20% uh, corporation tax cut. Uh, there's the interest deductibility limits, which, would, which is unlimited now, and they're talking about limiting it to 30% uh, of earnings before interest and tax. There's the capital expenditure, which right now is on an accelerated depreciation, and it would change from that to 100% expensing, at least for five years. Um, and then there'd be a one-time tax on repatriated earnings, and they're really arguing about um, whether that would be one rate for cash and one rate if the cash is reinvested. But suffice to say, anybody who's got a large uh, amount of unrepatriated earnings, so all the tech firms, uh, would get some sort of relief on bringing that money back into the U.S. So those are, I think, the biggest corporate tax ones. On the personal side, things get a bit messier, but we've got so far, you know, lower income tax bans, you know, which are meant to affect, uh, help the uh, lower and middle class um, uh, taxpayers more than the higher paid. We've got, I know it's concerning some people, uh, we've got some questions on it, on limits on itemized deductions, and that's going to, on mortgage interest relief, it might be capped at a $500,000 principal. So if you, I think it'll be grandfathered, but if you buy a new house over $500,000, the interest is going to be uh, you know, capped out at the $500,000 level. And the other one, which is obviously going to affect a lot of the states uh, on both coasts, is the um, state and local taxes exemption, which is now can be offset against income tax. Um, and then some people are talking about it not being... Uh, deductible at all, but there's this other provision that says, but $10,000 worth of property taxes could be exempted in this. So, you know, there's, there's, it's not going to be as clean as it looks. Uh, then thirdly, there's the estate tax repeals. That's always a big favorite. Um, it, it, the exemption would double, then get repealed um, in 2023. Uh, it seems like the limits to 401k contributions to 2400 has been uh, quietly pushed aside. It's very popular. Tax break really helps middle class, so uh, that one seems to have gone. Um, 
And then there's the, uh, the section 179, which is about writing off uh, some capital equipment, uh, which has right now a limit, limit of about 500,000 to a greater number of $2 million, which, which affects small companies a lot. Not necessarily quotable investable assets, but at, uh, small companies um, which employ a lot of people in the country. And then finally, there's the uh, medical tax deductions, which at the moment are unlimited once the AMT has been, um, uh, sorry, the AGI limit has been uh, been hit. Uh, so that that uh, if that's no longer available, that might affect some people's t uh, planning. So so that's the kind of broad outline of the corporate and the personal. What does it mean for the market? Well, before we it's, even <laughs> go into that, but but you know, a lot of people are bandying about with the you know, where, where this is going to go. We really don't know where this is going to end up yet. So making decisions on it prematurely is, is probably not where we want to go. I, I agree. I, I don't think there's anything to be done. If anything, uh, you know, some, some tax planning and, and sitting down with your financial advisor might right. help, but I don't think there's no calendar rush here to get stuff done by December the 31st. And even some of the investment side, which I was just going to touch on quickly, some of those have already happened. They've already been priced into the market, and uh, so I don't, I don't think they're going to be, you know, huge needs to readjust portfolios on the fly. But the uh, the big ones is it's obviously good for tech because of that repatriation uh, issue. It's good for domestic stocks because they have less uh, foreign tax to offset against. It's good for companies with big capital expenditure. You'd think it would be not good for highly leveraged companies, and the most highly leveraged companies are REITs and utilities, who pay about 30% of their earnings on interest, but they've been exempted. <laughs> so so uh, they're not going to be count for this. So then you're down to telecoms and transportation equipment, and they're not really big enough in the market to, uh, to affect it. So that interest rate deductibility might affect credit markets more than it does equity markets. How would you view it based on size of the company? Which are going to benefit? The actual names? No, no, the, the size of the company in the, in the industry group. So larger companies, some, some of the multinationals versus some of the, more, the smaller domestic economies, our com companies. I think it's much more on the smaller companies because yeah. they've got, they, they have a higher tax bill. The aggregate tax for small companies is about 28%. For large companies, about 18%. So they're, they're not going to go from 28 you know, down to 10, but uh, there'll be, be a lower number, whereas the larger companies... Um, probably their effective tax rate is not going to drop nearly as much. And then some of the pass-through entities will be benefited as well because they are going to receive the 25% tax treatment um, rather than come, uh, regular income. Yeah. And then uh, Rita and I were talking earlier, what does it mean for munis? Well, the, I don't think there's enough of a break in the higher tax rate to sort of suddenly make munis less attractive. And, um, and then there is some concern that you know, people might leave uh, high tax, uh, taxing, taxable states, and that the revenue base would uh, would diminish. But I think that's all a bit speculative at this point. Um, and then there is private activity bonds, which some people invest in. I know uh, if if they're in the AMT uh, league, and 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 those might those issues of those might diminish. But I I think it's too early. I think we agree that it's kind of too early to sort of you know cry. Cry wolf or pull the plug or do anything else on muni bonds right now. They're still, you know, highly attractive. And the other area which we think wouldn't make much of a difference is treasuries, because you would think that higher deficits means more debt issuance. But 
it might be more debt issuance at the short end. And as we've seen in so many other cases, particularly Japan, you can have high budget deficits and a very high demand for long-term bonds. So I don't necessarily think at all that it's going to lead to a jump uh, condition in in, uh, in interest rates. You know, one of the big decisions I think people, investors, should be thinking about in talking with their tax advisors and their, ta and their uh, financial planners as well is whether, you know, deferring income, deferring gains, capital gains, selling properties, um, making investments. So anything that's a big tax um, uh, ticket item, either on the buy or the sell side, I think is worth discussing with your advisors. Some of them, some of the answers aren't going to be clear cut yet because, again, we don't know exactly what's going to shake out in the end, what the timing is going to be when it gets passed. Yeah, I think the other thing, uh, Steve, is that remember last time we had big tax changes in the 80s, and I think it wasn't so much the fact that the bans changed, and all, it's the fact that there was a kind of a release of animal spirits. There was this yeah. sort of pent-up activity which hadn't happened while people were negotiating the tax changes, and that released a lot. I don't see the same happening this time around. I mean, we, these are some pretty big changes, but the economy is operating much closer to full capacity this time around, and I don't think we're going to see you know, quite the explosion in growth which the administration thinks is going to happen. Yeah, the, the, the area I think that maybe we, I asked you about the size of companies might be some of the smaller companies. So are they willing to make more investments? So most companies are booking their earnings or paying them out, but are they willing to make more investments in future growth? So because uh, we're starting to see the uh, job growth start to slow, and that's that's an area you know productivity has offset that. But you know, are companies willing to invest more? And I think a lot's going to be that. They're, I think they're waiting to see what comes out of this package. And if we do see a drop in corporate rates, I think that may stimulate some of the smaller companies. Yeah. I think small businesses invest based on confidence and the economy. And it's, it's, if, if they see that the uh, policies are more stable um, and uh, their confidence will be better, and they would be more willing to invest mm -hmm. than just affected by the taxes. I think what we're, we're all, all getting to, though, is the same conclusion, which is you know, we're, all, we're all paying attention to what's going on, and it, it is, it is a, quite a show. Uh, but until we really get a, 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 a clear-cut picture as to what this is all, how this is all going to shape out, we don't really think there's any reason to make any drastic changes in an investment strategy. Right, and uh, and we've seen some of the, the market anticipate some of these. Yeah. I think uh, you know the, the the corporation tax, the market has anticipated mm -hmm. the repatriation tax. But I don't think it's going to be as big a deal as people think it is. But that, you know that's benefited the tech companies. And the home builders got hurt a few days. Was that? And the home builders got hurt for a few yeah. days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. I, uh, we're sort of at the rather strange conclusion that there's yeah. a lot happening, but there's a lot of need to do anything uh, at this particular at this point, particularly on the investment side. Right. So maybe we should open it up for questions. See what questions people may have. Yes. What I'm going to do is uh, hit star eight, and it'll open up to everybody. And so feel free to um, to, uh, to to have a question, and then I'll I'll open it up while the person's asking a question, then mute it again. Uh, so um, I'll tell you when it's open. Okay. 
Okay, I think we're all open for questions. Meanwhile, we do have a, a couple of writing questions. Um, so the first one is, is there any probability that we will not be able to deduct state taxes and mortgage payments from our federal income taxes? Uh, and I think the answer is, if there might be some of it, it there might be, be, be zero. It won't, yeah, it won't be. And a, a lot. I think some most likely that there will be a lot of grandfathering in as well. Total grandfathering. And uh, same with the um, even worst case, all of the state and local taxes are exempted. You'll still have that ten thousand dollar property tax. So right. it won't be a zero item, but it might. It might be. It, it might, might be less. less. Lines lines are open. Feel free to just jump in. I'll I'll pause a little bit for someone to ask a question if they would like to. I have another question. I am 51 years old. This is not me. This is uh, this is uh, somebody uh, who's I'm 51. See my money grow quite a bit over the last few years with real estate peaking and the market peaking. Do you feel there is double risk, and where would you recommend placing your bets as an investor? Well, I think that's an interesting term, peaking. I'm not sure uh, who wrote the question, but. Um, uh, I don't think the market's peaking by any stretch, and I don't think real estate's necessarily peaking either. So, uh, again, the, the biggest mistake I think any investor can make, especially if they're getting close to a retirement, the retirement years, is making a drastic all-or-none decision, which is getting, you know, you're worried that the market's going to peak and you decide to sell stocks. If the market continues to do well over the next two years and is quite a bit higher than where it is where you sold all your stocks and you're sitting in cash, it's going to be very, very difficult to go back in again. And you'll, you'll be in a quandary as what to do. So if someone's concerned about um, valuations or just their own personal risk exposure, uh, you know, talk to your advisor about maybe lowering your exposure modestly. But I wouldn't make any drastic changes up or down based on concerns. Yes, and I, I, I agree with your point on the peaking is that we, we, how many all-time highs have we had this year? I mean, I've lost count, but uh, you know, it, it's the nature of the market as it gradually expands to be buying at all-time highs. But uh, when you look back at it and you know, the natural growth of the market over, over time, it doesn't mean that that's a bad decision. Well, think about this. If you look at the market for the last 200 years, the market is in a steady uptrend, meaning that we're making continued economic progress and growth. And with intermittent corrections along the way, the, 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 there's intermittent corrections. And the other key word is okay. so, so the market's likely to continue to go up over time. And trying to time for the occasional correction, I think, is really a, 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 a risky, risky play. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I, I agree with that. So we'll just leave another uh, few seconds open to questions if anyone would like to call in. If, if not, thank you very much. We wanted to keep it under 20 minutes. And uh, please let us know if we should be uh, addressing other, any other items. And uh, this will also be available on our website as a podcast tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, for everyone, for in. joining. Okay, and here's a disclosure, so don't, don't go yet. 
Please note that the information provided in presentations for general informational purposes only should not be considered individualized recommendation on personal investment service. The investment strategy discussed in this presentation may not be suitable for everyone. Each investor needs to review an investment strategy for his or her situation before making an investment decision. All expressions of opinion are subject to change without notice and reaction to shift market or economic conditions. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. The opinion presented cannot be viewed as an indicator of future performance. Thank you.